Welcome to Core Parenting Conversations with Kaylee. My name is Kaylee Kukwa, and I've spent the last decade supporting children and families with challenging behaviors. As a mom of two, I appreciate how overwhelming and exhausting parenthood can often be. So I'm taking all of my book knowledge and combining it with real life experiences to change the dialogue around parenting. We'll have powerful conversations that always include practical tips so you can walk away feeling inspired and empowered to make simple yet impactful changes in your family's life. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another core parenting conversation with me, Kaylee. For the month of January, we are focusing on foundational concepts of responsive or conscious parenting. Week one was all about regulation. Week two was all about mindset shifts of children do well when they can. And today we're going to go back to regulation and talk more about the different regulation zones or states. I'm primarily going to focus on children's regulation states and how to recognize them, helpful ways to respond. But please know that adults, we definitely have these zones. And the more aware we are of them, the more we can be more proactive in our own regulation, which you want to go back is covered two episodes ago in episode 35. And I just want to say, whenever I post things about one of these zones, the low simmering zone, which we'll get to, if it's about children, I'll always get comments on, oh, I thought this was about adults because that's how similar we can be to our children in different regulation zones. To get started, let's talk about regulation. I consider this to be a pretty buzzy word that is used a lot when discussing behavior. I find that there's this idea out there that regulation is simply a skill we can teach our children and then have the expectation that they'll be able to use those skills when they experience a feeling, in particular, when they're feeling sad or mad or angry. Regulation is so much more involved than that. Emotions are the body's subconscious response to environmental stimuli. That's why different people will have different emotions and responses to the same stimuli. We all have different bodies and different experiences that shape those reactions or responses. These emotions manifest as feelings or physiological responses in the body, such as sweaty palms, increased heart rate, different hormones are released. And the regulation piece is. Are we able to recognize these sensations and then consciously make a choice for our actions based upon our experiences? This awareness, interpretation, choice-making ability requires very high-level skills that I think we can all agree is challenging even for adults. So it makes sense that our children who are developing awareness still gathering experiences and whose brains are still in very early stages of development would struggle with this. And when I talk about this, I'm not just talking about early childhood, okay? Because obviously the biggest growth in the brain happens in early childhood, but then also when hormones come online and older children are marinating in these new hormones, the brain is kind of reprogramming itself. So we're kind of starting... (laughs) again, 
during adolescence as well. So this is why it's so important for us as the adults in their lives to attune, understand, interpret, and respond to our child's emotions. We are literally modeling regulation for them and filling in the gaps while they are busy building a brain that will eventually be able to do this independently. So that's the purpose of this episode. Empower you with some insight into your children's behavior and what regulation state that could be signaling. And then what are some helpful responses for that regulation state? Because not all responses that we hear about in social world of responsive parenting are going to match every tricky time with our children. As you've probably realized, if you've tried a strategy and it's blown up in your face. I think we've all had that experience before. I certainly have. I'm going to use a color coding system just for the ease of understanding and discussion. There's many different regulation curriculums out there that teach different zones, and they may even have a positive or negative connotation with their colors because they coincide with the traffic light colors, which are commonly used for behavior charts. I'm not making any reference to anything specific like that. I'm pulling from a few different theories and putting my own little twist on them. So for example, green means go. (laughs) My kids, we always shout that green means go when the traffic light changes. Very enthusiastic. Green regulation is when there's an easy flow of engagement. Okay. They're back and forth exchanges. This is a good time to enter discussions, engage curiosity and collaboration. Signs of the green zone would be a relaxed face, engaged and focused in an activity, not including screen time. Sparkle eyes or those eyes that light up when they see you. And again, there's that free flow of energy and engagement. These are times as parents, we feel like we can breathe, relax, and just enjoy the moment, right? Don't mess with a good thing. This is the time I like to bring up curious conversations about upcoming events. So front-loading, which is in a different podcast, maybe routines in the house that haven't been going very smoothly lately, and do little check-ins with my children. What's something you're looking forward to? What would you like me to do more of, less of? What do you like to do with me? What's been tricky for you lately? Hmm, I'm wondering about bedtime. Is there something you would change about it? So often when our children are in this zone, We tend to leave them alone because why mess with a good thing? (laughs) And I get that. And I do. And I do that at my home too. Honestly, often we need these times, right? To get other pressing things done around the house or attend to other children. But here's a reminder that it's so important to notice these times and use them to connect with your children. Not constantly. Okay. We don't have to be on edge and feel pressure that we've got to now sit for like 30 minutes with our kid. But just be aware and make an effort when you can and when you remember. Because now we're going to shift into the yellow zone, which to me signals proceed with care. I frequently refer to this zone as the low simmering behaviors. So if you follow me on social, if you've ever worked with me before, you've probably heard that term. And these are often the behaviors that tend to trigger parents or adults because we interpret them as disrespectful, defiant, rude, mean, etc. But they're not meant to be. I use the analogy of a pot of water with a lid on it on a stove. It's not boiling over yet, 
but the top is starting to rattle as a warning sign that it's about to, and you better hustle over there and turn down the heat or your spaghetti water is going all over the place. These behaviors look and sound like randomly going up and pushing or hitting someone, whining, rigidity, rudeness, mean words, clinginess, short fuse, right? So seemingly like getting very emotional over very small, usually not a big deal things to them. This is a tricky zone for parents to navigate because much like approaching a yellow light at an intersection, we've got to make a decision. Are we going to pump the brakes or go through? For our children, it's a guess of, do they need to offload feelings or is there an underlying cause like hunger or tiredness, or is it something we can shift? Can we slow down, connect a little bit and get back to the green zone? It's just like going through that light, right? We've kind of got to either slow down as we approach and make a decision to pause, reassess the direction, or we're going to stop at that red light and let that happen. So before I briefly review these, release yourself from the pressure of getting it right. Sometimes it's super easy to identify, right? Oh, he was up at 5 a.m. this morning and now it's 4.30 in the afternoon and he's melting down or like he's low simmering behavior before the meltdown because he's exhausted, right? That's, that's super easy. Other times, the underlying reason may not be obvious. Knowing how to respond takes time and experience and attunement to your child, understanding their individual cues and adapting to their temperament which is like a lot when you have multiple children with all different cues and, <laughs> and temperament and our own stuff that we're, you know, we deal with every day. So there's no way we're going to do or say the right thing every time. Okay. That's not a fair expectation. It's impossible to do with any relationship. It's not fair to ourselves to hold that over our head constantly and feel that pressure right? That's not the goal of this. The goal of this information is to give you confidence for when you are able to respond and access it. So the first adjustment I try to make when I notice one of my children is in this space is to slow down my pace. Urgency, pressure, rushing tend to be like gasoline on a fire. It's an explosion waiting to happen. Now, let me acknowledge this is easier said than done. As someone who goes at a fast pace through life, someone with a pre-programmed tendency to rush, anxiety, which creates an underlying sense of urgency, this concept of slowing down has stretched me so much over the past few years. It's taught me how to be more proactive and get really clear on my priorities and to be gentler with myself. For example, The other day before school, of course, my five-year-old was having one of those bubbling tantrums over his shoes. You know, not like the full-blown explosion ones, but they're long and drawn out and whiny. So it's still like a yellow zone tantrum, let's call it. And everything is wrong or no, no suggestion I gave was helpful. And in fact, most gentle statements of mine were met with his, right? You know, those like, okay. I'm just, I'm not going to try. And honestly, sometimes that's what we got to do. Like, okay, I'm just going to drop this for a minute and walk away and just give them some space to wrestle with this, right? Because I'm not helping the situation right now. 
If you've tried the Instagram parenting tips and tricks to gain connection and cooperation with your child and it's still not working, or maybe you just want to grow your parenting toolbox or grow your own personal skill set. If you feel confused about how to respond to some of your child's bigger behavior, or maybe you need the encouragement and accountability to make the changes you know you and your family need, CORE offers the weekly support and tools to make these powerful shifts within a supportive, uplifting community. We talk about real-life parenting, not the neat and clean two-dimensional examples given on social media. You can learn more about my core membership program by heading to www.kayleekukla.com backslash core. It's a month-to-month membership. You can cancel it at any time, no strings attached, and it's meant to be on-demand parenting support so you can access it when it's needed and when it's convenient for you. The link is in the show notes to learn more. And now back to this core conversation with Kaylee. At this point, it became clear we weren't going to be able to leave right on time. So (laughs) I could spend the extra five to 10 minutes slowing down, giving him space to wrestle with the shoe predicament, or I could spend the five to 10 minutes in frantic urgency trying to hurry him up, which would have surely ended in an explosion, probably more added frustration on my part, making us even later and really creating a lot of disconnection between him and I. Or I could choose to spend it in connection. How did I want to spend the five to 10 minutes? That was really the question I needed to answer. So I spent it holding the shoes, right? Creating that confident momentum of holding the shoes, walking towards the door, slowing down, giving him space. Like, so I would take a step and kind of wait for his feedback, that kind of thing. And miraculously, okay, (laughs) he started taking steps towards the door, climbed in his car seat and let me buckle him in, even though he had tears of frustration on his face. There's no gimmick here. Okay. I tried the typical strategies that are helpful in the yellow zone. These can be helpful giving choices. So kind of like if they're overwhelmed with too many things going on, we can like the purpose of a choice is to narrow it down, get really clear, give them enough structure where they feel empowered to make a choice. I tried empathizing and validating. I tried showing him all of these shoes have a little wear and tear, right? Normalizing the experience a little bit. I tried using an assertive voice. Okay, it's time to get in the car. Some of those can be helpful in this zone, right? So all of those really can be helpful strategies sometimes, but sometimes not. So in those times when they're not, what's left? Acceptance. Acceptance allows the child to lower their defenses enough to begin to shift because they sense our openness and understanding to their experience. Or it allows the explosion that they need, that unloading, to happen, which actually helps them fully process their emotions and move on after they fully release that feeling. That's why I call this zone the handle with care zone, the yellow zone. To me, care is compassion, connection, and curiosity. I stay open to what they need by attuning to their cues. I empathize with the space they're in and extend acceptance. And I look for ways my child is willing to connect in the moment. Sometimes it's quiet presence. Sometimes it's a playful tension breaker. 
like going for laughs. I actually used that this morning with my eight-year-old. I walked in, he was supposed to be getting dressed. Of course, he was on his bed reading and he was annoyed, right? So he was in that like yellow zone. I could sense this could go either way. And so I faked outrage. I was like, dude, dude. And I kind of got playful with it, broke the tension and totally set the tone for the rest of the morning of connection. Sometimes it's me highlighting the choice they make or they have available to them. So they feel empowered, which can also help them shift. There's no one size fits all here. You've got to trust your own intuition, which is why I said at the beginning of this zone, this can be tricky for parents. Okay. So now let's discuss what happens when a child does boil over and a tantrum ensues. I use the analogy of a wave to describe a tantrum. I grew up in South Florida at the beaches on the Atlantic ocean and played in the waves from the time I was really time. I was a baby. (laughs) So when I got a little older, not as a baby, but older child, uh, my dad would go in the water with me and teach me how to body surf. That is just to ride a wave into the shore uh, without any board. Okay. You're just doing it with your body. In my experience, the most important part is to feel the energy of the waves. You can feel the ocean. I love it so much. When you feel the ocean pulling you back out, and then you can feel the release of all of that energy rushing towards the shore. If you try and stand still and like lock your feet and your legs in place, you're more likely to get knocked over. But if you allow yourself to be pushed forward, you get a stress-free and enjoyable ride. If you're not ready to ride, you can always dive under the waves and go through them underneath without getting pushed and pulled in random directions. Now, if you've never experienced this sensation, one, I highly recommend it, but two, (laughs) it illustrates the very definition of release to me. Feeling the energy, accepting it, and choosing to face it head on or go through it is really whatever feels the most secure to you in that moment. Tantrums are emotional waves. If we try to block them, stop them, we're more likely to get pulled under and tossed around. It becomes an overwhelming and at times scary experience, just like being pinned down to the ocean floor and pushed into the sand which can happen if you get knocked over without warning. (laughs) If we accept them and ride the energy, it can become an experience that connects you to the energy source. So when you're body surfing, you become more connected to the ocean. And with your child, you become more connected with your child. Instead of fearing the water or the emotion or your child, you learn how to feel it and accept it. Now, how does this translate into action steps for a tantrum? Well, most of us can feel that transition from yellow to red. We can feel the energy building. If we frantically look around for ways to appease our child or stop the building emotional energy, we're probably going to be tossed around in the energetic wave. (laughs) If we take a breath, focus inward, and accept the emotion for what it is, we can ride the wave and wait for the ebb in the energy to shift our position. At this point, I know what you're thinking. Okay. Most people want to know, okay, what does that mean? What do I do? (laughs) Before I answer this question, I'm going to make you wait a little more. This is the perfect time to explain why I wanted to cover regulation states in our back to basic series. Often parents will try all these fancy strategies they read about online or in a book when the child is not ready to receive them. 
When we understand what each state is signaling, we can offer more helpful support. This is not the time to offer choices. This is not the time to try and reason or logic with our child or ask questions. Maybe even validating or empathizing can escalate the situation. While those can be helpful strategies in other regulation states, right? Like in the green or the yellow, they aren't helpful here. The brain is short wiring. The child's brain becomes highly attuned to our tone, our body language, our energy, because it's gone downstairs, to borrow a phrase from the book, The Whole Brain Child, and into the primitive state of survival. Other strategies with words, questions, choices, logic cannot be processed in this state and just add to the overstimulation because it's just noise adding to their already flooded input. During this regulation state, our nonverbal cues are the most powerful. It's not what we say, it's how we say it. It's what we're doing, which can all be super uncomfortable if we want to fix the upset or get the child to calm down. I promise you, they will calm down with time, but we've got to ride the wave in the meantime. Before I explain or give examples of co-regulation actions, I have one more visualization. It's another ocean one because, again, the water just connects with my soul. We are the anchor in the emotional storm. So picture a boat and the waves are coming and the winds are spraying water on the boat and thrashing around and the boat is anchored in the emotional storm, right? We're the tether so the boat doesn't get swept away. We're keeping it safe during the storm. What does this look like? What does it feel like? The best physical illustration I've heard to describe this is from the Brene Brown podcast, and it's strong back, soft front, meaning we stand confident in our ability and our child's ability to handle the situation and also soften ourselves with compassion and empathy. We don't want to melt into a puddle of over-empathizing and create insecurity around the emotion. We also don't want to be so rigid and unyielding with our energy and actions that our child feels shut off from us. So how do we physically convey this? Soft eyes, soft face, slowly spoken words if you're speaking at all. Shoulders back and down, which for me, like my shoulders definitely go up towards my ears when I get annoyed or frustrated. Relaxed hands. I found that if I can focus on relaxing my hands and my face, my body tends to relax. Staying close, but not too close. Depending on the child's preference, I like to think of this as nearby and available, but not hovering. Thoughtful pauses. Internal mantras that can be said outwardly if it helps your child. It does for some, it doesn't for all. This might be this is safe. I'm listening. I understand. I'm right here if you need me. You've got this. You can handle this. This feeling is safe. You are safe. I am safe. This is why I started the year off with adult regulation, because without that, we cannot offer our child the previously mentioned actions. Now, before we wrap this up, there's also a blue zone or a blue pathway, as Dr. Mona De La Hook describes in her books, Beyond Behavior and Brain-Body Parenting. This pathway or zone needs similar responses as the ones above, but the behaviors may look different. Instead of red hot, the child goes cold blue. 
The eyes go downcast. They may engage in self-soothing activities such as thumb sucking or rocking. They may be unresponsive to questions. They start moving super slow (laughs) or sitting, lying down. They close off their body. These children need help co-regulating and eventually connecting through these behaviors or after these behaviors. And it might be subtle, right? So oftentimes this can be misinterpreted. It's not as obvious as the red hot, but it's still a cry and a need for slowing down less stimulation and co-regulation behaviors. Watching and learning your and your child's regulation states, what support needs they signal can be so empowering for not just parents, but really everybody. We can confidently approach behavior, not with the hopes of stopping it, although de-escalation can be a bonus result sometimes, but with the hopes of building emotional safety, modeling strategies so that our children learn how they feel and how to use these different skills at various levels of stress, and we strengthen the relationship while we're doing them. Because this knowledge benefits the parent-child relationship so much, this is a reoccurring theme and topic in the core membership with workshops, eBooks, scripts, and shift handouts all available in the members only area. For more information about this, head to kayleekukla.com backslash core C-O-R or head to the show notes for the link. If this podcast was helpful to you, please consider sharing it with a friend, posting on social, or leaving a review. All these things are so helpful in spreading the message of responsive parenting so that we can change the world one parent and one family at a time. I so appreciate you being here. Thank you very, very much and have a wonderful week.